I oh my god, I want the fucking Tom Hanks uh Meg Ryan Sackler movie. <laughs> Hello, my name is Ricardo Deacon. Hello, my name is Orla McNeilis. Welcome to Dublin Digital Radio. You're listening to The Recommendation Game, a film of the week podcast where we take turns to pick a movie the other person hasn't seen. We watch it separately and we meet to discuss it. This week's film was chosen by Orla. It is All the Beauty and the Bloodshed. Good title. Dance, dance, dance. Talk, talk. Photographer Nan Golden. She's a major name in the art world. The work was incredibly political. Probably my whole life, the struggle to fight conformity and denial. There's the Sackler family of the art world, the museum world, and philanthropy. And then there's the big pharma marketing and addiction and death. My anger at the Sackler family, it's personal. When you think of the profit of people's pain, you can only be furious. Nan said, I think we should take these people down. But do you think my career will implode? And I said, probably. We need to demand that the Met Museum delude the Tate, refuse donations from the Sacklers, and take down their name. The rich people are scared that we're going to dig into the evil way they made money. Rare footage and intimate interviews provide insight into the life and work of renowned photographer and activist Nan Golding. The film was directed by Laura Poitras, produced by Laura Poitras, Nan Golding, Yoni Golijov, Claire Carter and John Lyons, starring Nan Golding. Cinematography by Nan Golding, credited as photography and slideshows, Claire Carter Robert Colodney, Alexander W. Lewis, Laura Poitras, Sean Vigezzi, and Tom Pavia. Edited by Amy Foote, Joe Biney, and Brian A. Cates. Music by Sunwalk Collective and Don Sotomadel. So, Orla, why did you pick this movie? That was a lot of names. Uh... What is the typical thing of documentaries that is yeah. like, I'm surprised that there's only three editors in this movie. Most documentaries like one million editors because everybody gives yeah. up halfway through. But there's also less uh, intro uh, logos at the start than I was expecting. Less than usual, I feel, for a documentary. Um, <laughs> yeah, I attempted to pick this movie several times. Um, we came up against the, uh, uh, the issue of it not really being very available in Ireland. Um, so I saw this in September. September last year? Jesus. Yeah, September last year at TIFF. And uh, <laughs> I spent fucking months waiting for it to come out. And then it came out here and I was like, yay! And then Ricardo couldn't get it. And then even... So you had issues getting it yesterday or whatever day you watched it. For the benefit of my uh, legal status... Uh, I cannot comment. Um, yeah, so Laura Poitras, um, she's technically a repeat offender because she was um, executive producer on uh, Hale County this morning, this evening. Doesn't um, count. That executive counts. producers, no, executive producer is the same as like fucking Tarantino and Scorsese. They, they, they just add their names so people get their movies released. Executive producer in the documentary is, is like... As important as, like, you know, I swept the streets in Dublin during Which the marathon. So probably that part of the reason why we saw that movie. So let's not knock her. Uh, or that I got it released at all. Um, yeah, she so, um Have you seen Citizen Four? That's kind of like the big. Yes, and big I have movie. massive issues with that movie. 
Yeah, fascinating. Um, I've seen it, but I, I don't, I don't have like a massive memory of it to be honest. But like everything that's kind of happened since then with certain people in that movie, I'm like, mm, interesting. I would love to go back and rewatch it now because a lot of the complaints about this film was that people had gone into it expecting a Citizen Four style documentary about the Sackler family, and then obviously yeah. didn't get that and got very annoyed. <laughs> I was like, this film was not advertised as that. What are you talking about? But anyways, um. Yeah, this is just kind of a different, not an entirely different approach, but it is, yeah, in comparison to that film, I don't know an awful lot about her other feature films, to be honest. Like, I've only seen like one or two of her movies, so I can't really speak to the other ones, but this one is a kind of an interesting, the relationship between her and Nan herself, of it kind of being more of a collaboration rather than a sort of a planned documentary, if that makes sense. So... It started off as a project by Nan Golden herself. So because she was part of this this group pain that were doing all this activism and stuff, um, her and various other people that she was working with started filming it because obviously they were doing all these die-ins and all these different events and stuff. So all that footage is theirs. Like Laura Portress was not there for any of that. Um, and you can see that. You can Most of it, you can see that it's Nan or somebody else filming it. <clears throat> They were recording it like to do something with, whether it be a documentary or some kind of furthering art project or whatever. And then I think someone had suggested Laura Poitras to her and she was like, you know, why would she care about me? I'm not, I don't know any state secrets. I'm not, you know, I'm not this big interest, you know what I mean? Like a kind of, uh, what's the word? I don't know. Full of intrigue, which I think is bollocks. But anyways. Um, like not an international player. Uh, yeah, you know what I mean? And, and yeah, so, but she, in the end, like, uh, the approach that she wanted to take with it and sort of taking the project out of Nan's hands, essentially, while also still kind of working with her, I think she, ultimately she was okay with the direction that the movie went in, so she kind of, like, let her have it, basically. Um, I really like uh, the approach of using the structures of her slideshows because those were sort of the pivotal moments of her life and her work are these sort of ongoing projects like the the one that we see that she starts in the 80s where uh people would come to it every week because she would change the uh the slideshow constantly there'd be new music she'd be reevaluating the memories and what the photographs meant to her and everything so i find interesting using that <clears throat> as a method in the film of having her rather than sort of sitting down and being interviewed or talking or whatever of kind of reacting to her own photographs so then of telling the story through you know these like snapshots and some you know like intentional and others and like there's so many like fat like moments of you know i didn't even remember that until now or i've never even spoken publicly about that before or you know, moments of real sort of like realization or like reevaluating certain things in her life, um, which is very interesting considering how frank she is in her work and how like once she started, because she was documenting these incredibly personal, dark experiences and the people around her and their lives, and she sort of felt like a bit of a hypocrite that she wasn't doing it herself. So she starts like showing herself like having sex or uh, taking drugs or all the other sort of like, you know, destructive behavior that they were doing at the time. Uh, yeah, I just I think it's fascinating that, you know, for someone who was so frank for so many years that she would still have these incredibly like pivotal moments in her life that she'd never revealed before. Like, it's quite interesting. Um, yeah, there's all, there's something like... Uh, both like thrilling and also incredibly sad about seeing like reading about or seeing photographs of or seeing like film from New York and the sort of Times Square area in the 70s because it's like it's so like full of life and freedom and exuberance and there's just this like shadow hanging over it as you watch it from now looking backwards of the you know aids just being around the corner um i know like we've we've both seen how to survive a plague um so we kind of come with a knowledge of act up already and um the other activation or uh act, yeah act, activate what's yeah anyway, that was going groups. on around that yeah activist groups that were going on around that time um 
I'm kind of curious if you had heard of uh, David, um, I can't say his name, David Warnerovich <laughs> before, if you'd heard of him or if you're kind of aware of his work or anything. Uh, so he famously, his, his one of his images is on the cover of a U2 single album. Can't remember now. You know, the, but the buffalo toppling over the cliff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so um, <laughs> it's very interesting because they also, so that's like 1989 that came out. So he's on the cover and they also cite him as an inspiration for the lyrics of the song, which is quite interesting to me because it's like attaching like some like an artist that was so full of like rage and intention and everything and like attaching it and to you like bonafide to you too like notorious fucking tax tax dodgers and stadium anthem fucking no, no, no. but it was the 80s luxembourg so is amazing in fairness luxembourg <laughs> is it luxembourg is that oh jesus they already paid loads of tax ricardo they're just trying to be sensible um six months I mean, in like, luxembourg will do wonders for your complexion this uh um see i find that kind of jarring allegedly 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 okay. sorry sorry so let me allegedly covering all our bases here yeah so i find the connection of those two things together very very strange but at the same time it was the 80s so it's you two were they had a different sort of image back then, I suppose, especially Bono. Um, yeah, I, I became aware of um, uh, the artist through um, the Olivia Lang book, The Lonely City. Like she's done, a, she's a, she mentions him in a lot of her books, actually. Like she kind of discovered him, um, like I think it as a teenager and stuff. So she has this real affinity to him. So um, uh, I didn't realize until I watched this film the relationship that he had with Nan Golden, um, which is kind of because I never really knew a whole lot about her, but I knew loads of her photographs. And it was kind of the same with him that I'd seen his a lot of his photographs before, but I had no idea who he was. And then finding out they were actually very like deeply linked together and stuff was really interesting. Um, how, I'm kind of curious uh, how much you know about the Sacklers. Like I kind of, I feel like at this point, everyone kind of has an awareness of the role that they played in the opioid crisis, like, especially the time this movie comes out in 2022. Like, I feel like people kind of have a general idea that, you know, but I'm curious, like, what you knew about them going into this. Uh, do you want me to, to say it now or hold off yeah. to you, my very... Yeah, you can give me well, a Like, little... I did have, like, a certain understanding of, like, I watched uh, that show, well, parts of that show with uh, Michael Keaton. Oh, dope um, sick. Yeah, but, like... It's one it of the things best. whenever I'm watching shit with Alex that sometimes like she can't take pain as much like pardon the, the pun as much yeah. as I can. So sometimes we will be watching something that is like really dark, like a uh, dope sick or like underground railway. And yeah. she's like, yeah, that's not what I want to watch after work. And I'm like, yeah, that's fair. but it's good. But, um, but at the same time, it's like dope sick after like two episodes is like yeah i got everything that i need to know <laughs> the rest is just pain for like yeah but from the sacklers i knew like everything about like purdue farmers like not everything that whatever but i follow like i followed a lot of like there was an interview i can't remember who was the the person that he was interviewing, but there was an interview that Mark Marin did with somebody that was dealing with, like, wrote a book about the opioid crisis, like, about five to six years ago. That's how I got into understanding what what was the the root causes, let's say, that somebody that started, like, you know, whenever they somebody writes a book that is, like, actually falling step by step so they found somebody that died so you'd like you get to know that individual person so you understand the context of like the individual and then mm -hmm. it kind of blossoms out of that that is like what was the steps that led that person what is the systemic steps that let him down and stuff like that and go through all the way to the, the mess in the mexican border and stuff like that that is in america but 
yeah like so uh long story short like i i knew the context that the, the as far I, I knew as much as i needed to know for this movie to make sense to me because i think that if you don't have a basic knowledge of who the sacklers are you kind of be struggling uh watching this movie <laughs> Uh, I don't you're think that into, it goes uh, into enough into detail your about answer, what's going on. Sorry? You're going into your response now. No, but that, that's besides the point because I don't think it has no, nothing to do with the quality of the movie per se. I just think that it's like if I didn't have the context that I do, the movie would be yeah, different, it, if that makes sense. Like, uh, that is true. Because... I think I... It's almost like if, if you needed like a little bit of a taste or whatever, that, you know, but at the same time, it's like documentaries like this that are, they're not made for like a wide release or whatever the fuck. So if you're going to watch this movie, you know, either who Nan Golding is and, or who the Sackler family is. And if you yeah. don't know who the Sackler family is and you know who Nan Golding is, whenever you finish that movie, you're going to fucking Google who the fuck the Sackler family is. Because you're like that's the kind of audience that you're you're dealing with. It's not like you know fucking Meg Ryan, Tom Hanks kind of job all that is like. <laughs> oh my god! I want I oh my god! I want the fucking Tom Hanks, uh, Meg Ryan, Sackler movie. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! I want that so bad. Um, yeah, yeah. It's funny. What I'd like to what I find interesting about this is um. Because a lot of the footage that we're watching is like 2018-ish. Like a lot of the early sort of things that they were doing was around 2017, 2018. So at that point, like I don't think um, Empire of Pain. What was the really big opioid crisis? Yeah, book? that's the the book. Yeah, Empire of Pain. Yeah. Did that about book the come out yet? I feel like that 2017. Book I think it came out. Yeah, it was all sort of like becoming it was sort of floating to the surface but at that point like you know like one of the most like fucking eerie creepy parts of this is whenever they're talking about the them bringing out the um (laughs) when they started doing all their like all their stunts around the various museums and stuff where the Sackler started putting um like full page ads in the New York Times and stuff being like of course we care and I was like this was a time when they still could do that you know like and that that you know it's like of course the fucking New York Times did it but um yeah it uh it's just fascinating and like it does it does sort of like kick up a little bit of a conversation about like philanthropy and all the scumbags out there that put their names on buildings um which it did make me think of like there's a whole subplot in uh have you seen billions <laughs> such a silly show no i haven't and <laughs> i will not watch it the first couple of seasons are quite fun like but it's still going it's like stop you've lost all relevancy like it, uh, it, it, billions famously is the Show the succession the is better. Succession. Exactly. It's the, the way that they make billionaires look like millionaires. Uh, that's the review somebody uh, said. It's like it doesn't have the budget to, to make people seem no. like billionaires. But like, I'll watch Paul Giamatti in anything. But at the same time, I won't. He's, he's good. And like the first couple of seasons were just him like and his nemesis is Bobby Axelrod, the like, you know, billionaire. And it's it's like fun and silly and fluffy. But there's a whole... There's a whole subplot in like Hamburg what season where Bobby Axelrod is basically he brings in what's essentially like a uh, reputation launderer. So someone that comes in and gives you legitimacy around your money. So he's this posh British guy and he's like, I mean, put your name on museums. So that's there's a whole thing of him like opening wings in museums. It's like, yeah, of course. Um But uh as you say, da, 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 da. yeah, I'm not like I'm not sure if she's always successful in how she weaves the strands between, like, her life, the present, together. Like, sometimes, but I think, like, the line that she's kind of drawing between, like, people who are crying out for help and are, that are unanswered by, like, you know, the state or people who are supposed to protect us, like, be it our parents, the state or whatever, um... And then, like, the people that witness it and stand up against that. And, like, even the idea that she was driven to activism itself through 
being a witness to the suffering of all those people around her like starting with like her sister and moving the whole way up through her life and then eventually like being affected by opioids herself and like people who are suffering from like abuse mental health aids opioids whatever it is um like it's not it's not really a film about like the opioid crisis uh it's about as olivia lang would say art in an emergency (laughs) i love olivia lang so much seriously i follow her on instagram she's like my favorite person in the entire world i have her book right here it's great anyway ricardo (laughs) what did you think of um all the beauty and the bloodshed well like uh, before i started talking about this movie i want to say about two separate pieces of art that also uh, call attention to let's say obviously because of its connection to act up but even like a couple of scenes there like people that, that are in how to survive a plague pops up like in the background and you're like oh that's that person or whatever and it feels like really sad uh thinking that those people that you know from watching how to survive a plague that they didn't make it that they yeah. didn't survive that plague oh actually sorry before i forget um whenever the david warnerovich's photograph was on the u2's uh album he died like a couple of months later yeah. from aids like after that song came out i was like that's depressing the the things two things that I don't know if you seen read whatever the two things I'm gonna talk about one there is the Andy Warhol Diaries that is on Netflix it is actually incredible uh, no, highly recommended so. it's uh, about Andy Warhol but is uh, narrating his diaries but it's also like really incredible the way that they did it as like the actor that is narrating his diaries. Uh, is acting it out and they got an AI to perf- like change his voice to sound like Andy Warhol. Weird. But if you read, if if you follow the, the AI, but if you read anything about Andy Warhol, but like the music is incredible, but also like the, like because he documented so much of his life, not only with photography, but also like home videos and Super 16 Didn't film and stuff like that. Phone calls as well. Yeah, like and everything. It's yeah. it's really incredible. Like I I really recommend it. And like there, like half the show is really about like uh, Basquiat. That she mm. has a she has a picture of uh, Basquiat as well in all the in the movie that we just seen all the blood. What's the name of the movie? All the beauty in the bloodshed. Yeah, that she has a picture of him uh, at some stage, and I was like, "Oh, that there's Basquiat there," and like I knew Basquiat based on the art, his art, let's say, but Mm. I didn't have the connection with him as a person the same way that after the the Warhol documentary, and it is really, really, really touching because you really get. a sense of Warhol as a person, but also of New York. It's like the one of the greatest like New York in the eighties kind of media ever, I think. But the other thing that this movie reminded me based on connections, not in the sense of connections of like it has to do with the AIDS crisis, but bury me a bit. So there's a book that I don't know. It was like shortlisted for a couple of prizes and stuff called The Great Believers. I don't know if you ever heard of it uh, by Rebecca Mackay. I don't think so. It's uh, about the AIDS pandemic and uh, epidemic in the the eighties and stuff. But it's there's a bridging element that like half the plot is in the eighties in Chicago and the other half of the plot is like twenty sixteen in Paris. But it's about loss and stuff like that. But the way that it it equates the the feeling of the, that generation of gay people in the 80s to the um, new wave and stuff like that in Europe in the 1910s. Mm-hmm. That is like that sense of like you didn't realize that you're living through quote unquote the good times and then most of you don't survive in the 1910s was like a man-made affair of World War One, And the people that survived are so damaged by what happened that they're not the same they're like the vibe is not the same to to be very like blunt about it and it's the same with this movie that it like that that book equates the 
AIDS epidemic to the First World War, and this movie does the same, equating the AIDS pandemic to the opioid epidemic. So it's this kind of almost step-by-step that it keeps happening, this feeling Mm -hmm. of, like, lost generations, but they're lost by different things, you know, and it ends up being, like, usually the most vulnerable, the most open, the most loving that end up suffering on that on that front and it's always depressing but as a movie i <clears throat> to be clear i really enjoyed the documentary um okay. like uh and i liked it way more than citizen four i have like even before uh the, just briefly about why you don't like citizen four i'm kind of curious well like i think the like let, let's put it this way. I had massive issues with Citizen 4 before the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And mm-hmm. I have a lot more issues with that movie since the oh, Russian invasion of Ukraine. Of because as well. Is oh, that God. I think that, have, like, that they do not... like that It's a movie about challenging the status quo and they don't challenge the person that's challenging the status quo it's like a hagiography like you know a movie like the movie this movie is you know like the stakes to a certain degree but it's not political it's actually like you you have a an actual binary thing of like good versus evil these people knew that this drug was bad or whatever it's not like global politics is way it's not binary it's not a bipolar world or whatever like pretending that you know everything that to a certain degree everything that uh snowden says in that movie is correct america's fucked and everything else blah 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 but also like the i think that his approach to being like i think he's like the president of press freedom or whatever he lives in russia which is kind of a like fucking irony the you know, it's a movie that really doesn't challenge the... They got a scoop and they went, I want to go with the scoop. <laughs> which I think that whatever you were saying about this movie, that like Nan kind of like gave over the movie to a certain degree, but also that she had her own idea of what she was making. And I think that it stopped Laura from doing... Like not to, like I think she's a wonderful filmmaker. Like Citizen Four as a movie is great, yeah. But as a documentary is shit, if that makes sense. Because yeah. it really, it's the problem with like we often come across the reason why I will never make documentaries is that I can't deal with the, the ethics of it. Concern. I really can't. <laughs> it's like it's too much fucking gray zones. How do you? treat the story right the person right the the story you're telling right and everything else and if you go like okay the story is key that's the 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 main thing that is the story is the objective person doesn't matter the truth doesn't matter the story is what matters this movie does it better than citizen four because citizen four kind of like it, like Snowden comes out like some sort of fucking evangelist kind of like oh yeah like if everybody was Preacher. like me would be amazing blah 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 it's like fuck off you're you partook until you 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 know you saw the <laughs> it's like he's no here like fucking nobody else is like it's the Oliver Stone kind of thing like fucking you can make anybody like. Castro is better than most people in politics in the world, but you can't say that he's with all issue, you know? The it's the to a certain degree why I like people like Max Hastings as historians, even though I don't completely agree with everything that they say, is that they just hate everybody that is in power. Any position mm-hmm. that somebody has the power to affect history in one way or another, they're not doing it for the greater good. It's always a personal kind of thing. But when it comes to this movie, like I think the it, it strikes a, a better balance to like between like the the story and the person. Like that it can become like both a portrait of Nan Golding and a message movie, if you will, about the Sackler family and about AIDS and stuff like that. But also, like I quite like the way that they mirrored the um, the AIDS pandemic and 
the the oxy pandemic that it's it is not like a step in history it's just like a continuation of what she suffered from i do think that is a like and i think that is the again is the issue with documentaries is like how much access you have i think that the one criticism i have of this movie and it's a very light criticism in fairness that's why i gave it like four and a half stars in letterbox is that wait you've been what you've been that seems like a spoiler for me that you're putting up reviews on letterbox <laughs> yeah but also i don't follow you and i don't expect you to follow me so and that's that way, true i don't have a letterbox account <clears throat> Yeah, so there you go. How are you going <laughs> to see my reviews? I write mine down in lists like a normal person. But it's the... Um, I think it's personal, but it doesn't show how deep the addiction went for for none. And I think it's... Mm. like, But across the board is that like it goes from... The only moments that people talk about like how bad the addiction is is whenever like, oh yeah, this person died in the toilet by himself. And it's horrendous. Oh. Like, um, I don't want to under undersell how depressing and hurting that is, but also is that most of the the issue this pandemic, most of people affected by it are not people that end up dying, are people that whose life are ruined by it, and Mm. is the bit of like, it's not like you're fine and then. Like the movie, like not that the movie says this, but it presents itself that it's like either you're fine or you kill yourself. It's not the 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 in between because even she said that she, like the only part that she's talking about the effect that her being indicted was, was whenever she survived an overdose, that she was yeah. able to go by, and I think that it's like it's the day to day that is really the fucked up thing. It's like my father was an alcoholic and I don't think like he like he had well he is an alcoholic I don't think you can ever go past I don't know if he's still like an active alcoholic or he's in remission or whatever the fuck but like it was the day to day like he had pancreatitis he nearly died of that shit he kept drinking afterwards but it's like what affected his life was in like the health moments it was like for 20 years 30 years of doing this shit and it's the same with oxy that it is like it's the day-to-day it's the bit of like going to clinics and try like that your whole life revolves around getting the next hit and i don't think that the movie quite goes there uh which like you know it's admirable but like it's not admirable but it's like understandable because you're dealing with people that are either like in remission or but that's the bit that i think if you're watching it from the outside Mm. especially with the linkages with like mental health and stuff that like i understand it because i know it so um, like it's what i was saying that there's a difference between the understanding of the sacklers and then the understanding of addiction because sacklers you can google the addiction is more of a feeling thing that the movie should be able to carry it because if i don't know enough about what purdue pharma did or what the sacklers did you can go to wikipedia you can go to like fucking whatever uh but when it comes to like the day-to-day of like individuals that they w- go into more about it about like the AIDS pandemic than they do about the oxycontin pandemic about like their day-to-day existence if you will like the people didn't survive they killed people in the end and stuff and i know that it's linking but the, at the same time it's different because aids you just got it Mm. but with oxy it's like yeah you got it like it's not like that you went looking for it it's like somebody prescribed you incorrectly blah 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 blah. i know that is not the fault of the the addict whenever it comes to oxy but but i mean it's like whenever they are talking about aids it's like the only part that is not analogous because like aids and more one are more analogous to a certain degree because it's kind of like something that happens to you and you're forced into it and that's it well whenever you become an addict the the one of the things that the sackler stole of these people is their person it's not only their mm. lives it's the it turns them into like for the lack of a better word junkies like that because 
like an addict like that comes from somebody like who is like heavily addicted to nicotine and i think like i'm an atheist but there's no fucking better expression than i thank god let's say you know what i mean like i'm thankful whatever but that i'm i only became addicted to nicotine but i know how hard it is to knock it out like the nance talks about like people that are in recovery doesn't mean that you're just not doing anything it means that you could be like if you're a heroin addict that you're on methadone that still counts as recovery because you're controlled that she's still on a drug that is helping her i don't know it's like in the movie like the movie has enough time to talk about it and i, I think it's necessary when talking about yeah. something as important as not as important as that is the only aspect that the movie is missing is that part of like when you lose yourself when you're an addict and it's like something as minor as cigarettes are i'd be on a night out knowing i'm being trouble with my girlfriend with my friends whatever if i go for a cigarette i shouldn't smoke it's bad for me whatever i haven't smoked in six months whatever and then i just say no 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 and my head just would like a switch would flick and go i don't give a fuck i'm having a smoke and then you have a smoke and then as soon as you take a drug you're like i'm a terrible human being but the difference is that to that moment the only thing that will go is that i'll have a bit of nicotine in my body and then you know you smell like shit or whatever because of cigarettes but it's not the same but i can imagine the doing the same thing if I there was oxycotton or whatever because when you're an addict you go like I don't give a fuck and the movie doesn't really go into that moment that your brain just like the, the drug takes over your body and I think as well with opioids the thing is like it really does like it rewrites your brain like and the idea that like, she has a good line somewhere in the film about how like what just what it does to your body withdrawal from something like that and like it's interesting because um i was listening to an interview with john mulaney um so he's like a new special right now so oh yeah i I saw baby j yeah yeah it's pretty good like um the he's like sort of relatively frank in that i suppose but um there's really good interview with him where he's talking about like like he really goes into depth in that in the special but especially in this interview about like like it got to a point for him where his entire life was just getting drugs like that was it that's all he did he would like barely function and everything around that was just like you know finding ways to get more drugs and um but he said something interesting about how even for him he was like addicted to like six different things at the same time like all trying to have them in balance that he could function but he never really like touched opioids in any real way and he was saying how like to him that seems like just this other level of when it comes to withdrawal because it does completely rewrite your brain and how like you could they you know what i mean like of that it ultimately you'll be even more changed than if you were just like addicted to like you know cocaine or amphetamines or whatever you know what i mean that like it's it's something that like truly because it is so attached to the like dopamine centers in your brain and everything and um it's just really interesting it was like because it's so misunderstood as well that's the thing and like i think now maybe we have a better understanding of it but at the same time like especially when it comes to america like the idea of treating drug addicts and treating it as something as like you would just normal healthcare is just something that people find completely but it's not just america unacceptable. On, like in the well no i know but like, like in ireland this is an american like film not, but we're not going well like in america it's treating anything in fairness like you break your arm it's like <sighs> uh, yeah you have to sell your house like uh america yeah. healthcare not two words that like two sentences to, to go together that well but i went through some of the like one star and lower reviews on letterboxes so i always find it really interesting and I'll, you know a lot of them are like you know this is just like art snobs. This is a movie for art snobs. It's like, okay, uh, like fair enough. You didn't get it. That's fine. But then every so often, like you would have someone, someone was like pointing out that because she overdosed snorting cocaine that was laced with fentanyl, I think. Yeah. And they were like, they were like, well, she clearly just had like the capacity for other drugs anyways. It had nothing to do with the Sacklers. <laughs> I was like, 
It's like you got to a certain point and then went, I will learn nothing beyond this point. <laughs> Oh God! Um, yeah, I. Kind it's of something that has to be said as well. Before we forget, I think that it has to be said that this movie is also a good portrayal of her career as a photographer and stuff like that. That is yeah. not just about the the pandemic and stuff like the the epidemic of opioids and so. I think that the movie does a good job, like a reasonably good job of portraying her both as an activist and an artist, and I think that that's also very important because they say how important it is that the the places where they're go they go to protest are places that she is part of their uh their yeah. constant whatever like their permanent uh, collection so it it has a bigger effect that if it's just like fucking random bob uh showing up going like fuck this it's like she's actually adding some clout that it like it's not necessary for her to take this le leadership role on you know like yeah, um, the organization yeah she doesn't have that's the thing is like she doesn't she doesn't have to do it but it's her being there gives it so much extra publicity that would never have happened in the first place and so depressing um, that is that that's the the case because it's just the that if she wasn't there the like the what are the you know, it's the thing, uh, like, even with AIDS, it's like, if Rock Hudson didn't die, it's like, who gives a shit? If Freddie Mercury didn't die, who gives a shit? Yeah. Uh, do you have any uh, final thoughts? No, the, like, I like this movie. I looked forward to watching it since you originally picked it, but we couldn't find uh, a source, let's say. And I'm glad that I watched it. Like, I really, like, you know... You pick really good docs from time to time. Like, uh, I think the... <laughs> no, what I mean? Like, it's not the... You pick terrible docs as well. It's the... Only occasionally. It is a genuine good movie, but... Watch... Like, I know, like, I'm talking this as a friend rather than, like, a co-host in the podcast. <laughs> it's like, watch the, the um, Andy Warhol documentary I mentioned because... I think that this movie could have been better with the uh, as a mini series, even like two or three episodes, so like an hour each. That did occur to me actually. Because um, there's way a lot of material to get through, like because it's like the personal life, the career, and then the activism. And I think that's yeah. like if you focus, like maybe one strand per episode but kind of like weaving them in i don't know how you'd structure it but i think that there's enough for three hours there but i don't think that there is yeah. enough for a three-hour movie if that makes sense because like no i i think i think you're right i'm trying to think um i have an example of something that did three episodes that would be that kind of is similar to this and i can't remember what it was but it that it did occur to me when did i watch this yesterday i can't remember um when I was sort of thinking about the structure and I think I, I also have no idea how you would do it but at the same time when the thing ends you're like I only want to know more about every part of this you know like yeah which uh, is a good thing because like yeah you're, you're much better off wanting to want uh, to to know more than wanting to know less if that makes yes. sense like and it's yes. a, like <laughs> Whenever we were talking, like, that I started with this qualifying that I particularly didn't like Citizen Four, that I think from the beginning, I think that in a way that I think that it made, to a certain degree, Snowden seem like some kind of fucking second coming, that this did mm -hmm. a really good job of making Nan seem like a human being with, like, very distinct flaws and stuff, that it, like really shows how her heart is completely in the right place but it might not be the easiest person to have a relationship with if that makes no, sense she's incredibly grumpy and stubborn which they show constantly it's really funny <laughs> like... but but that's what i mean is that it's not like a hagiography kind of thing that it's like yeah. and i think to, to a certain degree that it's probably from her side of like that it, it would have been so easy especially because it's such an interesting story that 
if you're giving that access to a filmmaker, like if it's not Laura Porras, it could have been another filmmaker that will take it on to do the hydrography. And I think like, and mm. like to be clear as well, I think that, uh, I don't think that she, that she went into the, like one of the best things that Snowden is able to do personally is that he's very good at, at uh, manipulating the narrative so i'm not saying that it like he's not the only per she's not the only person that he duped let's say like and yeah like, there's a lot yeah. of people that are still duped that is like you know freedom of the press and um like you know i'm the we spoken at length in this podcast my anti-imperial american imperialist kind of uh credentials yeah. are well established but uh, I don't From think day one of this podcast. <laughs> but I don't think that being anti one thing makes you like uh, pro another. Yeah, like I'm anti anything that is like shite, basically. <laughs> so, do you have any final thoughts, Orla McNeilis? Uh no, I'm glad you liked it. I mean, like I really fucking loved this when I first saw it. I enjoyed rewatching it as well yesterday, and I find that like the the moments like the like the woman on the steps when she's talking about her son dying and you know like just there's little moments in this that are so fucking devastating and they don't get less devastating when you you know what I mean it's it just like or like her talking about her sister and everything and or her talking about when she gets uh like when her you know partner beats the crap out of her and stuff and like the the pictures of her and stuff and you know the pictures of her in the hospital and it's like this is a film that it's it's mad how much is in this film you know what i mean and yet as we were saying it still feels like it's only crawled, like scratched the surface of it and even just when it comes to like that one relationship in her life i would want to know more about that you know about the whole thing and the way she talks about it is so interesting where it's like she just talks about how like he was so tender but he also beat the shit out of me you know what i mean like she's not it's like she sees things well, like, that was very, just like, the, the one occasion so it's the way that she doesn't conflict the like not yeah. to say that it's like it makes it lesser but she's able to separate it that is like it didn't deny the happiness that she had beforehand that is like yeah it's a, it's the the thing of like understanding like even trauma because it's like the shock of what happened because it's not something that you were blamed to blame because he like there was no way to predict that reaction if you know what i mean yeah but um, yeah it's it's just so interesting and yeah i don't know i hope more people watch this maybe yeah, like, especially um, because I think it's 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 useful for people when, especially if you do have an idea of what went on with the Sacklers and everything, and then also that you've just lived through the pandemic, and be able to see the lines drawn to the AIDS crisis, especially because like and like linking all those things together because there were so many like um, uh, <laughs> I was googling. There's so many connections. Uh, I was googling a survivor uh, playing earlier, and uh, I saw that there's a New York Times podcast on April sixteenth, twenty twenty. How to learn from a plague? We study the AIDS epidemic documentary, how to survive a plague, and apply its lessons to the COVID nineteen crisis. And I was like, the COVID nineteen crisis, which is a month old at this point. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, I'm going to listen to it later and see what they say. It's so fascinating. Yeah, I, I saw the, the that uh, said no, the not no. Uh, the she said that New York Times movie with. Uh, um, oh yeah. Mm, what did you think? Mm, right. Mm, mm, New York Times. Like mm. if you. Uh, you Andre um, Brower. That, that's what I'm gonna say. What a legend, Andre Brower. Love him. What a hero. I'll watch anything with Andrew <laughs> Brower. Who's that? Andrew Brower. Yeah. He's in Brooklyn Nine-Nine and a man of a certain age. And he's like a character actor. 
Harper. Oh, He's Captain Holt in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, like the. Yeah, I don't know. I hope more people watch this movie. Yeah, like especially um, because I think it's 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 useful for people when, especially if you do have an idea of what went on with the Sacklers and everything, and then also that you've just lived through the pandemic, and be able to see the lines drawn to the AIDS crisis, especially because like and like linking all those things together because there were so many like. Um, uh, I was googling. There's so many connections. Uh, I was googling how to survive a uh, plague earlier, and uh, I saw that there's a New York Times podcast on April 16th, 2020. How to learn from a plague? We study the AIDS epidemic documentary, how to survive a plague, and apply its lessons to the COVID-19 crisis. And I was like, the COVID-19 crisis, which is a month old at this point. I was like, oh my god, I'm going to listen to it later and see what they say. It's so fascinating. What was your favorite thing about this movie? Nan, probably. I concur. Um, Not, I'm, I'm jumping in there, but uh, yeah. I concur. That's that's the that that's the right answer. A lot of the time we have objective and subjective answers. <laughs> that is the objectively <laughs> and subjectively correct answer. You did well there, Orla. I'm proud of you. It made me. It really made me want to like go see some of her. Um, like particularly i don't know if it's if you're, you're like able to see some of her slideshows like in that kind of like exhibition set like i'm not entirely sure i know like different museums have like different parts of her work and stuff there but um it made me want to see more of it in real life as opposed to just like on a screen i think um, that the closest thing that you can get to is like watching on john waters movie really like uh like uh, how yeah, aggressively like obtrusive it is to like because it, it really captures that like aesthetic of like gunge and absolute like it's not meant to look pretty. It's meant to be like <laughs> this is life, quote unquote, kind of thing. Yeah. Do you have a uh, least favorite thing? Just think that the uh, like I mentioned before that the movie doesn't go deep enough into the actual logistics of addiction. And I don't think that necessarily is a movie. Like, I think that is. Not every movie needs to talk about it, but I think that this movie needed to go there. Like, not necessarily with yeah. Nan. They, like, if she didn't want to talk about it, that's fine. Yeah. But get somebody to talk about, like, how you get from your first pill to that suicide. Or, like, the overdoses. You know, there's no... there's mm. Because they, they talk about the those two different sides of the coin, but they don't talk about, like, the middle part the part that is like the years and years and years of suffering until you die because it's not a next day thing it's not you know what i mean it's not mm. like for some people it's a next thing thing that they last three months or whatever and they just do way too much or whatever but for some people they are able to manage it for quite a bit and then they just can't stop and they just keep going and I think that is very important whenever you're talking about like the logistic, like to the actual degree of how addiction ruins your life to go into the nitty gritty of it. And because otherwise it seems like it happens to other people. If you know what I mean? It's like, it's the thing mm. with addiction is that it's always like it happened. Oh yeah, it never could happen to me. Not like i particularly know that it would happen to me i have an addictive personality i'm just lucky that the substances that i was addicted to were not ones that ruined my life to the like they ruined my life health wise but not like employment wise relationship wise and stuff like that but when it gets to that stage yeah you, you have to show why you can't just especially because it's a a movie that it is as much as a act of activism as what she does so for it to be successful as a piece of activism i need i i think that that part is necessary because we often talk about like movies that are you know i'm an ally already i don't need to know <clears throat> mm, but it's the people that because you, you, you want to rope Aren't in on the one or two people that are not allies whenever they start watching this movie, but they're allies afterwards, and they usually become the most vocal allies. 
the ones that get converted because I'll just sit there and presume that everybody fucking thinks the same as I do but the person that gets their eyes wide open are the people usually as well that will be in circles mm-hmm. that are not completely you know somebody oh you go to a film festival like New York Film Festival or like Toronto or whatever and you just go oh I'm gonna watch this movie about this photographer and then you come out and going like the fuck everything that mm. I knew about like the uh, opioid epidemic is wrong whatever and then you go and talk to your mates and your family or whatever and you're you become a, an evangelist to a certain degree about the message of the movie and I think that that part is missing the there's not enough material for people to go shouting out the movies going like they're wrong whatever because there's not enough about the sacklers and there's not enough about addiction and i think it's a movie made for allies rather than to change people's minds and i think it's a missed opportunity to do it because it could have been both you just need to add just a little bit for both what's your least Mm. favorite thing I kind of agree with that, I think. I wonder, like, when it comes to showing, uh, you know, like the real ugliness of addiction and how it takes hold and stuff. And I wonder if part of that was a choice to not to to not show Nan in that. Like, I I feel like maybe it wasn't that she doesn't want to talk about it, but more that they didn't want to focus at that part of it directly on her because it's meant to be about, you know what I mean? But at the same time... Well, that's they, why I said that it could have to, be like anybody didn't else. It have like, to be about her, yeah. They could have said yeah, there's like so many groups other... in pain that would be able to, yeah. like, to to be able to speak about their truth. Yeah, anybody in that group, yeah. Because like, most of them that we kind of see over and over again, we don't know why they're there. Is it because they were addicts or because they had a loved one that was an addict or what? Like, they're just there. Um, which, of course, is probably could have been their choice they didn't want to talk about it on film or whatever <coughs> but um yeah i kind of agree with that i didn't i didn't miss the sackler angle i think just because i've sort of god i was gonna say overdosed jesus <laughs> oh god had a lot of exposure to sackler content over the last couple of years so i feel like i'm kind of like done with that for now but at the same time i understand why if you've not, you know, watched Dope Sick, watch the, what do you call it, documentary, watch, you know what I mean? Book, I didn't read the book, but like, yeah, it's like, I've, I've know too much about that now. It's kind well, of like, like how I, just to be the clear, whole Theranos thing. Just to be clear, I just, I wouldn't think that you need the two things. Is that you need a one or the other. Yeah. Because yeah, one would be like, okay, if the focus is the Sacklers, then you have a pinpoint of like hatred, let's say. And if one is mm-hmm. like the, the actual ingrained thing that is like the personal thing that will get you to read about it and go like ah it'd be the personal Mm. thing i think the two things together be like too many things in this movie because yeah it's where would they fit them you know i I think as well like if they have the sort of personal angle of the struggle of it like the impact of what they did like really hammer that home then whenever you have the scene where they're on the zoom call and like all of them are just sitting there not listening and it's like you know that hits even harder because it's like uh you really don't care (laughs) you know it's like um like you you care less than like somehow you care less than other billionaires (laughs) it's like you're like although in saying that probably not um yeah i'm glad you liked it that was a great chat we got some fit talk in there as well um if they want to go back and uh listen to us talk about a lot of different types of documentaries uh also we tapped on a movie about the aids crisis as well we did um and the band band plays on which is also great um yeah my sister akira actually she did the book for her book club and uh, i was telling her she should watch the movie as well but uh, where can they find us? They find us on Facebook at The Recommendation Game. On Twitter at The Rec Game. The Recommendation Game at gmail.com is our email. You can follow us on your podcast or choice, Spotify, blah, blah, blah. 
and uh, we are on every second Monday on Dublin Digital Radio and you can follow our episodes under Mixcloud next week's film is Ricardo's pick what are you picking Ricardo for episode 202 202 will be Thief Michael Mann's Thief (sighs) from the 80s Uh, anywho awesome until then I was Orla McNeilis and I was Ricardo Dean thanks for listening see you two weeks from now whopper